Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. Hello. This podcast is the introduction to a new series called Doing History Better, which aims to give practical tips for improving your history teaching in the wake of the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests. Hi, Helen. Hi, Sally. I hope you've had a good summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fair to say that we have hesitated before launching this series. Um, we've, we've talked long and hard about whether two middle aged white women are the right voices here. Yeah, definitely. And it, it because it really doesn't feel like they are. But um, as the Royal Historical Society report points out, you know, there is a dearth of history teachers of colour in this country. You know, it, they're not, uh, there's, the representation isn't very good in the pr- profession. So we kind of find ourselves in a bit of a chicken and egg situation. You know, if, if, if it's not us, then who? And if we're not talking about it and trying to facilitate that change, then will change just organically happen will probably not so we we've taken the ball by the horns yeah and we I think it's fair to say that we we hope that what we say will be taken in the spirit in which it is meant handy history teacher tips is about offering some ideas to support busy teachers get better at teaching history um, completely Um, and this series is in that vein we we as ever make no claims to have the answer or all the answers and if what we say is not helpful it can be ignored yeah definitely and and criticized indeed tell us you know tell us if you think we're not getting it right um and later in the series we are um inviting some kind of members of the history teaching community to come and share their thoughts and we're really hoping to amplify some newer voices um as part of this series yeah and i know we both feel that we are always learning and that our thinking changes and we we do better by being open and talking yeah definitely and i I always feel like I learn so much from our chats, Helen, that this is actually really helpful. It's a bit selfish. It's really helpful in my process. So I'm undertaking another curriculum review at school in response to the summer's events. You know, I I don't like to keep still with my history curriculum. So um, hopefully you out there listening are going to find it helpful, too. And we can muddle through it together. Um, So as always, like, please email or tweet us with your thoughts so that we can learn from you, too. Um, Anything you've got to say, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, because I think it's fair to say that on, on balance, we think if we avoid having conversations because we are frightened of getting it wrong, then it, it's going to just be harder to move forward to where we want to be. So we hope that our thinking out loud might be a useful model for departmental conversations as well. Yeah, yeah. and But at the same time, we you know, we're really aware that right now everyone is super busy and that lots of schools are taking different approaches. Um, you know, so you've got some some senior teams that might want lots of change, some senior teams that want no change. But, you know, really, the, the, this is, a you know, 
in spite even before the Black Lives Matter protests, it was clear that there does need to be a change. We've been talking about this as a community for a while. So hopefully this is this is going to be helpful in helping you with that change. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and so what we're going to do is focus this first discussion in the series on um, recognising that we are talking at the beginning of the weirdest new start to term ever. Um, and so um, we're going to focus it on a list of things we think could be manageable now and still make a good impact. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is long, difficult, painful work, um, but there are some things that can start just from now that are kind of um, fairly straightforward to, to changes that you can make. So tip number one, um, tip number one from us is to, at the start of this new year, walk about your departmental area, check your PowerPoints, check the other resources you use and ask yourself very honestly, are black people, and for that matter, Jewish people or women, always or mostly represented as victims? We've both had a look at some resources that we've used in the past mm -hmm. and been quite horrified that the answer to that question is yes and that needs to change i think we all need to ask ourselves what do students see and perceive about groups of people from the way we present them and where ultimately their humanity is being deg degraded by the way they are being presented we need to make that change and we need to make it change now yeah yeah and I, you know it's are the images students seeing representatives of all the people who lived in the period of the past you're teaching about you know it's kind of it's making sure that, that you're you're kind of highlighting ordinariness if you like so are soldiers are your images of soldiers on the western front all white have you got any other regiments in there um do images show for example that 50 percent of people in the past were women um or are all your images of, of men and um, so these are some things that you can you can have a look at as you're working through your powerpoints and that sort of honest departmental check uh, we decided is a good place to start mm -hmm. there was a um uh, one big history department post last year I don't know if you remember Sal from a, from a school where they had worked on paintings from across time to bring to the fore the less powerful people in the images paintings that are crammed with with people and perhaps you know there's a there's a main figure getting on a horse or something but there's usually uh, there are usually people around them or you know people in the crowd or people down the in the in the alleys or whatever or down the edges of the painting um the people that you might overlook in a painting at first glance and it was a really powerful way to give the message that everyone is part of the past and everyone is welcome in our history classrooms so as a way of finding some positive images I'd recommend looking back at that idea and perhaps uh, developing it further and if you do please share them and we can we can add them to a resource so that um, everybody can uh, can um, use them. Yeah, that sounds great. And I, you know, and, and I think you can you can take that further and say that, you know, if you're looking for ordinary people, you're looking for kind of a good representation of, of life. And this might be a good time to get away from the kind of heroes and villains or heroes and victims narratives. And, and I don't just mean this in the kind of traditional King John Oliver Cromwell sort of way. So, um, you know, over the past few months, what I've tried to do is a lot of reading and listening to black people online and and and, and kind of hearing their voice on on particularly the history curriculum because a lot of people have got a lot to say and I read one comment from somebody who requested that you know if when you're thinking about representation in your curriculum and black people on our curricula that they're not always victims or heroes but that there is space for just ordinary everyday British people of colour too so soldiers on the western front for an example like as, as you said although obviously soldiers are heroes but uh, maybe in a slightly different sense to the way that we kind of 
we teach about heroes um, and I think you know it also applies I'm going to go back to, to women as well so if you've written in um, Matilda and Eleanor for example to your medieval unit that's fantastic but you know don't forget about all the women enabling the great deeds to be done like by spinning the yarn and cooking the dinner like they're there too and it's it's kind of worth worth noting that you know it it needs to you you kind of need to be spotlighting the whole of the past if you can yeah, so I think absolutely another tip related um, uh, to that would be to actually audit the sequences of lessons, go to that level, the, audit the sequences of lessons you teach to, to make sure that, um, inverted commas, ordinary people are, are the focus of some of your inquiries. Um, most of us lead pretty ordinary lives. And so if we only learn about exceptional humans, it's really not very representative of the past. Full stop. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been thinking recently about the problems of teaching the Reformation from the perspective of, of Henry. Um, my city of York was massively affected, but that story never appears. And I was wondering if asking how did York people experience the Reformation would be actually a more relevant um, and inclusive question for people who, who live in this city, um, you know, for us to be asking in schools. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because I'm, I'm so here for this, I think it's so important to reflect on the people who lived these experiences you know these these things might have been carried out by a few people but they were lived by everybody and you don't have to be exceptional or um, have done or experienced exceptional things to be an interesting member of society who's worth learning about so over the summer I was reading about and I'm going to butcher this name I think it's you you I'm not quite sure um, if I'm saying that right, but an enslaved person and who was, you know, he was an exceptional person when um, when he was young. He was a prince um, who was um, captured and enslaved from Africa um, and he he moved to the States. He was um, freed by his master at, at death and he came to England. But, you know, he lives like this kind of you read his his biog and it's just a, a fairly ordinary life. You know, he he goes here, he does this, he marries a white woman, he moves to Kidderminster, she supports him through weaving. It's just, you know, and it's a really interesting story. But, you know, it's it's one of those stories that I think is often overlooked because, you know, well, what did he actually do? Well, he wrote, he wrote an autobiography. He lived 70 years in the 18th century. So, you know, we can find out a lot about him, even though he's not responsible for any momentous change I think that's an important thing yeah gosh as you were talking you reminded me of um of a, a slot in that we wrote uh, with the help of um um somebody who knows far more about this stuff than we do about Benjamin Lay who was oh, um yeah. a man who uh yeah born in in um the UK and lived doing a, a, uh, on one hand an ordinary life but when you look at them every every life is extraordinary isn't it but uh was was an early abolitionist not again one of the big names but absolutely fascinating and a character um that enriches um our understanding of the past and um he was a dwarf himself and therefore is also um for us representative of a of a again a history that is very underrepresented in our in our classrooms um yeah uh, I, I think there's moving to a slightly different tack as well. There are changes to teacher talk that going back to our easy of what can we change now quite easily, even at the start of a very, very busy term by thinking um, hard. Um, last year, I was on the battlefields again, um, this time with my teacher trainees. And um, every time the tour guide said we about the British, they winced and then they complained at me and they were right to. And they argued really strongly and really persuasively, these these young people going into teaching this year, that this was 
ahistorical and we are not the people from Britain who were on the Western Front in 1914 to 18, any more than we are the Germans who were there. Um, and it got me thinking, and you know, as well as that sort of language, that use of we being ahistorical, it, it also has a really exclusive term and it probably comes across as really jarring to many students we teach. So I'm certainly really trying to think hard about the language I use and making it better. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually this reminds me of two things. So firstly, when Andy Murray says, you know, when I win, I'm I'm British, but when I lose, I'm Scottish, which is just <laughs> that kind of um, that that exclusivity. But it also takes you back to a very painful memory from the very first lesson episode I ever taught way back in 2002, um, which was a, a lesson on the, the whole, a, a portion of a lesson on the Holocaust. And at the end, my mentor fed back to me and and he was very kind. He said, you know, it was, it was really good. Um, he said, but just just to say that you, you can't really say um, how are the Jews different from us, which is apparently how I had um, how I had introduced the lesson or the activity. And it's one of those things that has stayed with me for my entire teaching career, like just yeah just no <laughs> just so so just being a bit more thoughtful about who do you mean by us who do you know who you're who's in your classroom who you know let's get away from using that let's talk about the british um and the germans and the nazis yeah. as opposed to just yeah uh, that's, thanks for sharing that. I think we've all got those examples. And I used to just talk about sort of, well, even things like, you know, the British or whatever. And I now try and be quite careful and say things like the British government as well. I'm sort of, I suppose, very aware about how many things today I wouldn't necessarily want counting to my name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so being a little bit more precise and historical about our terms will actually automatically help us be um, more representative to, to do better at history as well. Um, yeah, so... Well, hopefully, I think we've we've gone through some things we feel could happen now, even though it's the start of a busy term. And there's going to be a lot more that people out there can think of. And, and these changes will not be anywhere near enough, but there's something. And um, what we hope is that there is a step in the commitment to work and change and to work to ameliorate feelings of hopelessness and resentment and actually be better. Yes. Yeah, because those students, you know, they're going to come back. They're going to want to talk about what happened over the summer. I'm sure in, in, in one way or another, they're going to want to talk about it. And I think that, you know, what I'd like to say, I think the most important thing that you can do is to just really listen to your students, have an honest conversation, um, run a poll about about your curriculum, about what they think, you know, what they'd like to maybe be studying if they feel that there are any gaps. Run a club after school or at a lunch where you support them making the changes, you know, like that's classic, isn't it? Make them do the work, like you just supervise them. Um, and it just, I think, I just think that's so important and be really humble with it. You know, don't anticipate that you're going to know everything. Um, and don't, you know, when somebody challenges you or tries to, to, to point something out that isn't isn't, you know, you that they think isn't quite right. You know, don't be prickly. It's you. you it serves nobody, does it? Like, and, and you're not losing face. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, that and I think that's that's a really important thing. Nobody expects you to know everything, you know. And we'll all, um, as you say, get uh, get better together and, and keep sharing ideas and keep being open and honest. So we. We hope that this is going to be some help this series and, and next time um, we'll discuss a more systematic audit that you can um, carry out with your department and uh, you were just uh, uh, reminding me there Sal as you were talking about uh, some of the great um, work that Catherine um, Priggs has done in relation to this. I think we should we should uh, point people towards that as well if they haven't already found it. So um, 
thank you for listening this time and uh, we will be back with an audit at some point in the next few weeks yes and good luck with your start of term yeah absolutely take care okay bye